Hi everyone, and welcome to Traditional Medicine with Shaman Flora. I'm your host, Jimena Garcia. This show is all about understanding yourself through plant medicine, as well as providing education and knowledge around this topic. I hope you guys love listening to this episode as much I enjoy recording it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Traditional Medicine with Shaman Flora. You know, every time I, I come and sit um, to record my episodes, um, the few hours and minutes and, and days before hand, I kind of think about what am I going to be presenting and, and what is going to be valuable for the audience and what is going to be valuable for me. Because as I'm communicating with every single one of you that are listening to me, I learn as much as you do, or maybe even more. So today, one of my students sent me a newsletter from an Spanish news. And actually, you all know her. She, she, um, her name is Hema, and she was in one of my episodes And it was something that made me really sad because it was the news about someone dying in a Cambo ceremony. And as all of you know, for me, Cambo is a medicine that I hold very, very, very dear in my heart. So to find out that someone got hurt to the point of losing their life working with this medicine It just, it hurts. It hurts because it's negligence. It's not that the medicine did it. It's not that, you know, that's what happens when you sit with it. That is a lie. But what it is the truth is that there is people out there taking these roles of being shamans, of working with medicine when they don't even know what it means, what it takes, the work behind becoming a medicine man or becoming a medicine woman, the, the responsibility that comes with it. And that really infuriates me because we are entering a new world where this substances are becoming a market is becoming a place of business so what do we do when a new market opens up and the demand is so high we see opportunity and sadly in this world we see a financial opportunity we say a gain opportunity rather than thinking what is the opportunity for the collective is more of like what is the opportunity for me what do i get from walking into this and you know there's more people that feel the calling and yes i'm saying the calling with like you know, question mark and all the above because some people do it because they want to make money. Some people do it because they want to serve people. Some people do it because they want to bypass all their shit and they want to process that through somebody else's life. Um, and there are so many other reasons why people will do this. 
But when you really know what it takes to do this, the sacrifice, the work that comes with that, trust me, not everybody will do it and not everybody will do it right. Because there are so many people that go to the jungle, to go to Ecuador, to go to Mexico, to go to whatever places it is that they go to experience these ancestral medicines. And they see, they think they learn, and they come back to their hometown, and now they think that they can serve them. And no, my friend, it's not that simple. And I'm going to say that I fell for that. I was the person that the first time I experienced psilocybin and I had my awakening or I had my realizations, my breakthroughs, my understanding for who I was, then I thought that it would be a great idea for everybody else to experience it. And that I have all the capabilities in the world to do it. And yes, physically, I probably do. Mentally, I probably do. But spiritually, I absolutely did not have it. I have no idea what I was getting myself into. Think about it this way. What's a shaman? Right? And and for those of you, the thing that a shaman is someone that serves medicine, that is a lie. That's not a shaman. And also, not every shaman is a shaman. I'm going to repeat that. Not every shaman is a shaman. Where does the word shaman come comes from? I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from Russia. And shamanka is the female name of a shaman. So shaman is for the male and shamanka is for the, for the male. And a shaman is a person that is like a priest. It's a person that has a connection to the different realms of spirituality. It's a person that has the ability that can walk through worlds and change time and space. It's a person that has a deep connection to nature and to the divine. It's a person that has been trained his, his or her entire life to do this work. So that's the first thing. The second thing, there is different types of shamans. And like I said, not all shamans are shamans. For example, if we go down to Colombia and we ask the tribes how do they call the people that serve ayahuasca or that serve these medicines or that serves just earth medicines? They're called taitas. They're not called shamans. They are called taitas. Taita means father. But they wouldn't dare to call themselves shamans because they know that they're not that. They are medicine men. They are medicine women. But they're not shamans. Now, we're going to go to Peru. I know more about Peru um, medicine culture than I do of Colombia, but like we're going to go to Peru. In Peru, they're called maestros or maestras. Maestros for male, maestras for female. 
And they don't call themselves shamans. They don't. I mean, if you ask them, are you a shaman? They're going to say yes, but it's because they have been trained. That that's what the Westerners think a shaman is. But it's not. And I ask, I asked one of the maestros, the maestros that I work with, I was like, are you a shaman? And then she's like, no, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a maestra. I'm a teacher. But they will never dare to take that title because they know that the, the responsibility, the accountability that comes with that title, it doesn't fall into their wheel. And now we have people that haven't even spent a year in the native places of this medicines, and they call themselves themselves shamans. Hágame el favor, like my mom will say in Spanish. Like, come on. So, going back to the story of this woman, when I was reading the article. They were calling the person that served the medicine a shaman. And in, 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 my, in my mind, as I'm reading, I'm like, there's no way. There is no way that that person that has that title. And you know what? Maybe that's why it happened. One of the things that being a medicine woman or being a medicine man, that that comes with the job description is being tested by this spirit, this, by this spirit constantly measuring, seeing if you actually have what it takes to be the person, the carrier of those medicines. And when we stop being humbled and when we are not in humility as servants of these medicines, the medicines come back and they teach us lessons. Please, for everybody that is listening, when you meet someone and someone tells you that they are a shaman, ask them questions. When you let someone work with you with any ancestral medicine, ayahuasca, cambo, bufo, iboga, mushrooms, peyote, I mean, you name it, we can go down. I have a book of a list of all the medicines that are all the plants that kind of like go within this realm. And even like Akasha record readings, anyone that put their hands on you, sound healing, I mean, any sort of alternative medicine that exists, exists out there for you to use, to utilize, for you to heal yourself. Like, do your research. Know who is the person that is going to be administering you a certain level of healing. I mean, think about it. If you are going to go and get a surgery or get a procedure or get your eyes checked or your heart checked or whatever it is that you're going to check in terms of your physical health and your mental health, don't you do like a little bit of research? Don't you like want to know that the person that is going to diagnose you with whatever it is they're going to find, they have done the proper studies and they have done 
the proper research and they have a degree on their wall before they even do that? I'm assuming that the answer to that question is yes. So then why wouldn't you do that for your spiritual health and your mental health? It's like is sometimes we don't think about these things and then and then we pay the consequences. And then for those of you that want to facilitate and be medicine people in medicine, then give yourself the opportunity to learn, to find a mentor, a school, a teacher, something. So then you're just not letting it just be. And You know, sometimes it comes with a little bit of ego to do something that no one taught us that we believe that we're doing it right. And of course, we are remembering who we were, especially for those that feel the calling of working with medicines. But if you do that, you may hurt people in the process or you may be hurting yourself. As you can hear, I'm extremely passionate about this topic. One of the things that I get a lot as the director of a, of a medicine uh, center in Peru is uh, people that want to become shamans. A lot of people reach out to me occasionally, occasionally, like they want to become shamans, they want to serve medicine, they want to be of service. And of course, when they reach out to me, it's not like I tell them, yes, sure, come on, let's go, you're in. No, I, I do a screening and I try to understand where does their want for something like this comes from because it is intense, this path. <laughs> uh, I speak from experience. Now that I'm a shaman, I'm not a shaman, and I don't know if I ever will. I don't know if I will ever become a maestra, but I do know what it takes. I've seen it in my ayahuasca ceremonies. I've I've have chat with my maestra and she tells me her journey and whew, she started when she was 11 years old. So it's a life, it's a life path. It's not something that I go down and I learn and then I just do it whenever I want. It's something that I or you or whoever wants to do it, they need to devote themselves, their life to it. So when they come my way and they ask me they want to be shamans, of course, my first question is why? Why do you want to do that? And the answer is pretty much similar or the same in most of my clients is they, they either they drank the medicine, so they sat with ayahuasca and they heard the calling and in the calling they felt that that's what they're called to do. So they feel pulled toward that and they think that being a shaman is, it is what it is. They have never drank ayahuasca, but they did some sort of other psychedelic, either DMT or mushrooms or acid. They did something or they've been working with psychedelics for a long time and they feel the calling and they want to be a shaman. So those are kind of like the two patterns that I identify with people that reach out and they want to become shamans. What I notice that I have not got yet of the almost two years, almost three years, uh, interviewing people that want to become shamans. What I have not found yet is someone that knows how long it takes to become a person that serves ayahuasca. And notice that I didn't call that person a shaman or a maestra. I was very intentional with my words. 
it takes a long time for someone to serve ayahuasca, to become a person that can actually serve the medicine and provide a traditional ceremony. It takes at least four years, at least. And that is like, if you were supported by all the plans and all the spirits for you to like speed the process. But it takes a while. <laughs> and then after that, you got to continue. It's not like, oh, yeah, four years, finish, I'm done. No, you got to continue. You got to continue the work. Like I told you, the master that I work with, she's been doing this since, since she was 11 and she's 45. <laughs> like more than half of her life has been dedicated to serving ayahuasca and working with master plants. And she is not even remotely close to what her grandpa was. She's still learning. So I have people that come and they think that a shamanic apprenticeship is going to take maybe three weeks, maybe eight weeks, maybe six months. Everybody's so eager to serve, but no one wants to do the work. So when they come to me, I share with them the process because the process of becoming a maestro, and now I'm going to speak specifically to the Shapivo tradition. I can speak for any other tradition or any other practices. Because, like, for example, if you want to serve Campbell, you could serve Campbell in 10 days. You just need to go through an eight-week process. But the reason why Campbell takes such a short period of time is because Campbell is not a shamanic practice. Working with medicines like um, ayahuasca or bufo or um, peyote or all of those things, these are shamanic practices. These are practices that require the person to have the understanding of navigating the different realms in the ethereal to be able to support the people that are navigating that. And in order to get that experience, it takes time. So going back, I'm going to talk about shapivos. I'm going to talk about maestros, maestras, the process. And if you ever want to go down that path, if you want to go down the path that you want to learn how to serve ayahuasca, shapivo style, this is what it takes. You need to contact a place that is of high reputation, that they know what they're doing, and they actually work with Shapivo maestros or maestras. And then you contact them, they get you in touch with the maestro or the maestra. And then if you've never been in the jungle before, if you have never drunk ayahuasca in the Peruvian jungle, don't come and tell me, oh, I did it in Costa Rica. Ain't the same. Ain't the same, my friend. Costa Rica jungle is very different to Peruvian jungle. Peruvian jungle has a density to it, a density to it. So it's very different. And when you're drinking ayahuasca in Costa Rica or Ecuador or Mexico, that medicine doesn't grow there. I mean, if it does, great. But if it doesn't and you're drinking medicine that grows somewhere else, it's a very different experience. Okay? So uh, with that being said, after you 
um, find the person that you want to work with, then the first step is for you to go down there and experience an ayahuasca ceremony in the place of ayahuasca, that is Peru, and work with a Shipibo maestro or maestra, and then go through your own experience and then experience the medicine for yourself at least three drinks. In that process, the maestra will tap into the fields and it will see if this is truly a calling for you. It will see how certain your spirit is about this. Wouldn't you want to know how certain your spirit is about committing to this life path? And also, don't you want to know if you are being supported by the spirits of the land that you're going to be doing your studies to? I mean, I think that that will be very useful because that's the other thing about the jungle. If the jungle doesn't like you, it'll kick you out. The life in the jungle is very different than it is in any other place in the world. So after that, if one, you speak Spanish because you need to speak Spanish. Yeah, believe it or not, you need to speak Spanish because who is going to be teaching you is going to be the maestro or the maestra, and they do not speak English. They barely speak Spanish because their tongue is Shapibo. They speak their Shapibo tongue. So they don't speak English. They barely speak Spanish. And you want to be able to communicate with that person. So after all of that goes nice and dandy, then the next thing that we do is we go into the first master plan that you will need to work with in order to start your shamanic apprenticeship. It takes one month minimum to do a master plan with everything, with the, um, the dieta, the process, all of it. And to become a shaman, you need to do 10 master plans. So how long is that? That's 10 months. And technically, that's a year. But the thing is, if you do all of them back to 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 back, it's going to be really hard for you to integrate. And in the process, another thing that you need to do is you need to participate in ayahuasca ceremonies that your maestra or maestro is serving so then you learn from them. So you see, when you really look at it, you're like, oh my God, that, that's, that's more than a year. Yeah, that's at least three, four years. And it's living in the jungle. I mean, you can go back home, but eventually you need to come back. So like I said, it's a process. It's a process. It's not something that you can just learn in two days or, or eight weeks. It's not possible. But if you do it correctly, then you will have access to a world that very few have access to. And that is very exciting, but also slightly terrifying. So, like I said, if you want to become a medicine woman, a medicine man, 
choose the medicine that you want to work with and see if you actually have a relationship with it. Because that's the other thing. If you don't have a relationship with the medicine that you're serving, then you're doing a huge disservice to the person that you're serving. Because there is no connection between you and the medicine. Every powerful ceremony has three components. The client, the facilitator, and the medicine. If all three components are strong and solid, then you have a powerful ceremony. So if you ever want to do ayahuasca and become a person that serves ayahuasca, you can contact me at Jimenat Rainforest Healing Center. I can give you some tips. I can teach you some stuff that I know myself. Um, there are so many different types of people that work with different medicines. Like in Peru, you have three types of shamans. You have shamans that are called vegetalistas, meaning that they only work with plants. Um, so they don't work with ayahuasca, they don't work with psychoactives, but they know every single plant in the Amazon. They know exactly what they do, what they're capable of. That's, that's their practice. Then you have tabaquero, um, that basically what they do is they only work with mapacho. And those are actually kind of extinct at this point. There's not that many of them that are true, true, true tabaqueros, shamanes. And what they do is they heal people with tobacco. They do tobacco teas. They read the tobacco. They read the smoke. Their medicine is tobacco. Okay. And then the last one is aguayasquero. That that one branches into two. Um, so aguayasquero are the shamans or the maestros that serve ayahuasca. Uh, but there is two. There is one that is called aguayasquero that works with the chacruna and the the vine. And then you have palero. Uh, paleros are the ones that work with the root of the trees. Um, so when they do their brew, they also add root of other master plants. And I've never sat with one of them. I've heard that they're really, really intense. Their brews are pretty, pretty intense because when you're working with the root of a tree, spiritually speaking, is like really strong. Um, so yeah, so I can give you more information about it. I, I, have a direct contact to my maestra so I reach out to her every time people have questions or concerns the other day I messaged her about this guy that wants to do the shamanic apprenticeship and and she told me she says Jimena you know how I can move energies when our clients are in the medicine you know how I can like extract the the dizziness and and the medicine out of a person's body and then send it up and how I can like elevate the medicine on a person's body and I say yes I do she said it took me seven years to learn how to do that it took her seven years and as a person that works with this medicine I believe is really important for you to know how to do that because sometimes you have people that they have three four cups of ayahuasca and if you don't know how to take that out of their bodies energetically 
you're going to have a very long ceremony and it can get really intense. So all I'm saying is if you ever want to take this path, just understand that you are working in people's lives and that you're also working in your life. Doing this path is not about healing other people. It actually comes down to healing yourself first, to putting yourself through the fire, to identify your shadows, know what are your limitations, face your fears. So as you do that for yourself and you identify your patterns and your shadows and and your, your flaws and all of it, and you heal them and you give them love, then you can start doing that for other people too. So it is a beautiful path in many ways, but remember the rule of the universe, duality. As beautiful it is, as ugly can be too. And be conscious, be conscious of, of safety, be conscious that you're serving ancient medicines that come from places in the world that none of the technology and the traumas and the stories that we have nowadays even existed. So be very conscious of you know, the, the crossing of the West to the East and how are you being that ambassador to create that, that mix? And if you are actually supporting the mix rather than condemning the mix, like this shaman that kills someone with Cambo. So with that being said, I'm so thankful uh, for all of you to be listening to this episode today. Uh, I really um, feel blessed and so much gratitude for all of my listeners that keep coming back and, and hearing my voice and the things that I have to say. And after this, I just want you to think about the things that I said. And it's not only with shamanism, it's also with everything that you do in your life that it a branch to healing. Just be conscious, be present, be aware, and do everything from love and from your heart. Thank you again, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much, so much gratitude, and many blessings to you for listening to today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show and tune into our next episode every Wednesday. You can find us on Instagram or join us, our Facebook group at Rainforest Healing Center. And lastly, please rate and review the show on our Apple podcast. This is the best way you can support us so we can get the show to more people just like you that want to learn about plant medicine.